Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. O oh, sculptor of time, hammer these hours and shape them for me, smooth granite and marble, and reveal an alabaster moment in the arms of this evening haze. Bring forth from thy stone chaos some shapely design, and create with your hands the retreat I crave in the moon underwater. Hatches the hatches have been battened down a, a so long, Tomps, that it's a delight to open up and reveal the first summer gold. Well, the first spring gold, shall I say, to echo visually through the windows of the moon underwater and, and create, at the very least, a foreshadowing of warmer climbs to come here within the pub. Welcome, everyone. Welcome all. Welcome hither and hence, it is I, John Robbins, the landlord of the moon underwater. A magical, mystical, ineffable pub where I and my dear regular, the lovely Robin Alder, help our guests to create their dream pub from several selections written so in ancient parchments that are beautifully faded but still legible. Uh, and here I am, gleaming the bar. And Robin sits opposite me with a, a look on his face of just pure peace. Beatific, I think, yes. Beatific, just a, a look. Beautific. Beautific Is it beautific? Peace. <laughs> I don't know, I think it's a bit of both, probably. A bit from column A, a bit from column Beatific. And how do you find the moon underwater this evening, Robin? And it on its own terms, if you may. Well, it's the calm, 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 calm before. It's the calm after the storm, isn't it? It's shelter from the storm. It is. Come in and give me shelter from the storm. Um, you know, yeah. How did you cope with the terrible wind? <laughs> um, how I uh, just uh, made sure I didn't put any onions in the curry. Um, and also just got lots of bits of sort of grit in my eye. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know if it's storm related, but the hay fever has been terrible. You mentioned spring is spring is a cumin in. Uh, yeah, hay fever like crazy. Well, I reckon what's happened is the winds in the other realm. Yeah. Have so say that like your average pollen in a feb, in a feb tomps. What is what? Why do you keep saying tomps? Oh, time, like time in French. Time, oh, yeah, yeah. Tom. Would say it's at like, I don't know, 15% and you might be quite unlucky to get hay fever. Yeah, yeah. I think the winds just just fill the air with everything from tree born. Yeah, they really do. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's been a strange... The winds have been howling, haven't they? They really have. We've actually got some pretty ancient... Uh, sort of washing basins here at the Moon Underwater tonight. So if you wanted to glaze your face in some warm waters... Okay, is this a, is this a kind of old wives' tale of uh, how to cure hay fever? Well, it just washes the... I mean, that's all eye drops are. Oh, yeah, I suppose. a small basin of water in a, in a plastic pipette. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are you? How, are the, how was your week in pubs? How was your pub in weeks? Uh, well, there were no pubs in my week since we the last pubbings we spoke of. I might pop to the pub tonight. Um, it's been a, a lonely time with some lonely pints. That's all I can really say. Oh, God, John. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we go again. We go again. We look for the next haven for our mind. And sometimes that haven is a long time coming. Long train coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think How about thee and thy pubs and pints? Well, just had a lovely... Um, <laughs> uh, saw my brother and his family at the weekend, um, which was lovely. My nephew, it was his 10th birthday. I think it feels like he's been listening to the podcast, because I asked him, how does it feel to be 10? And he said, well, not much now, just the slow countdown to death. <laughs> Did he really say yeah. that? Amazing. <laughs> I think he's been listening to the pod. He's quite a chap, isn't he? He's brilliant. He was brilliant. He does a bit where, whenever you know Charlie Bigham, the the, the the kind of posh meals they do, posh puds and posh fish pies. Yeah, and it sort of comes in a little wooden box. It comes in a wooden box, mate. It's um, like eight quid. Yeah. They all have a little paragraph on the side of the packaging written in very kind of florid prose mm. about kind of, um, you know, I've been asked hundreds of times how I make my unique recipes like this. and Yeah. And my nephew, whenever they get a, a bigger man, um, he he has to narrate the paragraph. But if you make a single noise, a laugh, interrupt him, <laughs> correct him, if he makes a mistake, he starts again. Brilliant. So it takes. It was like watching a Stuart Lee routine. It took so long. <laughs> it was brilliant. It's one of the funniest things I've seen for ages. Oh man, it was, you know, like yeah, it's kind of the anti-comedy vibe. It was really good. He's going to be a performer of some to- some sort, isn't he? Soho theatre kind of vibe, I think. Yeah, yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. It was great. Um, so, of the what you you mentioned to me uh, before the murmurations began, whispering to the other realm that uh, a fucking dog. <laughs> so one problem with the correct realm is that we can't. We're close to eliminating dogs, but we can't quite get the last one. It's a bit extreme, isn't it? I mean, some people often like dogs. Some pub people like dogs. Yeah, but this is the correct realm, and dogs aren't correct. <laughs> dogs aren't so correct. It's, so it's not to do with, with Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, man. You're your, own, you're your own barking dog with your email notification. 
Um, that was a, actually that was the mist slam slamming into my chin like a right hook from a prize fighter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry. You said you said you were going to a pub maybe tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time, big time. Uh, I'm just going to do a classic Bish Mem. Bishop Mem Saab. You know, why the F not? Go to the Bishop, then go to the Mem Saab. Yeah, the Bishop is in East Dulwich is actually really close to a pub called The Actress. So you can go, f- as The Actress said to the, went to the, it doesn't really work. But, you know. <laughs> God, quite delirious here with the winds, aren't we? It's good to laugh. It's nice to laugh, isn't it? Or not. Oh, no, it's good to laugh after such long tomps. Uh, but, R- Robin, I mentioned that the, the mist had actually busted into my chin like a prize fighter's hammer blow. So I don't think you actually sighed for it today. I think it just just hit me in a hammer. It just thudded in, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, but before the mist, we have the small matter of Le Poem Patron. Ooh. That's right, folks. Uh, Patron isn't just a make of tequila that some of our guests have chosen in the past. It's also a way of supporting this creaky old baby we like to call the moon (laughs) underwater with her eaves, her chambers, her toilets and her Dyson Airblades. Have you seen, Rob? I don't like Dyson Airblades. Well, they've gone then. Good. As soon as you didn't like them, they had gone. But anyway, if you would like to support the upkeep of this fine old inn, then you can head to moonunderpod.com to find out about our patron offering. It includes various treats and treasures, including, but not limited to, our bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, where Robin and I delve into the pub within the pub within the mind within the pub, and advance warning of live tickets, access to the Moon Underwater Social Club, on social mediums. So we reward the very top tier with their own immortal memoir, The Patron's Poem. Oh, winds. Oh, spiked canvas of wind. Thresh the trees and batter the roofs. Spit your breath down the tunneled alleys. Bend and break. Crack, topple, thou hast no dominion here. For there stands a door locked fast, a bolt of many moonshine strong. Thick oak withstands your petty blast, warm fire to remove your memory from. What a throng it is amongst the wood, varnished, gleaming, weathered, Bonding. A round is purchased by Roy Good, safely delivered to Marcus Ponting. A joke rings out across the Vesper. Sounds erupt, they laughed fierce. Who's the source? Who's the jester? It's only Gareth Dafford Pierce. Jason Sullivan raises a glass again. He's drained a quart of fine champagne. And Kerry V. What's there to see? Peek over taps, there's gin for thee. James O'Shaughnessy swells his Hennessy. Imbibe much more and you'll see ten of me. Of Hazel Bond, we're more than fond. Look in the garden, she built a pond. Who's that at the piano getting the party starting? 
It's the nimble finger Jennifer Martin. Oh, play that thing, that tiger rag. Your drinks are free, there's no price tag. So nearly all the patrons here, with wine, with soft drinks, shots and beer. But we're one short. Go check the chum list. Where on earth is Kristen Blomkvist? The latchet creaks. The bolt it slides. Hello, Kristen, come inside. Warm yourself. Forget the gale. With pint in hand, your favourite ale. All here, away from weather rotten. The world's demands now long forgotten. And to this magic, we surrender in the moon underwater, so warm, so tender. And there you have it. The P's P, the Papa's Papa, the patron's poem. Uh, all of those patrons, we thank you so much from the bottom of our H. But all of you can get in touch with us here by sending your mist mail to john at moonunderpod.com. And Robin, you've been sifting through the mist. Yeah, I sifted through, I esched through the M, as you might say, and I've got some lovely M's here. This one's from... You look Wh- like a lost man trying to catch bees. As <laughs> <laughs> he sifted through the mist. I did, actually. Because the mist is so kind of ephemeral. You read it once, I have to remember it, and then it kind of disappears into vapours. Yeah. Um, I've got a lovely mist here from Will, with the subject, Nicknames for Drinks. We've been talking about this recently. Don't mind if I do! Yeah, don't mind if I don't. Hey guys, I recently discovered your podcast, and I've really enjoyed listening back through the episodes. Especially enjoyed the Pete Brown and Tim Key episodes for completely different reasons. The only issue I have is the Moon Underwater shares its name with possibly one of the worst pubs in my illustrious hometown of Wolverhampton. Honestly, it's so terrible. Weatherspoons are now turning it into a museum and hotel. Wow. A museum of what? I don't know. Despair? <laughs> museum of £1.29. Pints. Yeah. Anyway, that aside, in your last episode, you were talking about nicknames for drinks, and the one that sprung to mind was one that we widely used in our circle of friends. I'm not sure it spread any wider than a small group of about 12. We used to call Blue WKD Pudding. Probably don't need to elaborate. Cheers, Will. Actually, I, don't, I kind of feel like you do need to elaborate. What, what, is that just because it's sweet, calling it pudding, do you think? Maybe because it's blue? What's that got to do with pudding? Well, you might have a blueberry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's good enough. Um, I think it's just sweet. I think, I think sometimes if you've had enough of beer, you might want a little go for a sweet option. You often do. Yeah, well, that's my approach to alcohol, is it's a three-course meal that starts with a savoury which is Guinness or ale, right? then moves to wine. Which wine? Wine. <laughs> What's that? And then the cider. fish course. <laughs> yeah, wine is the fish course. It is, because you have white wine with fish. And then pudding is either cider, white amaretto, <laughs> white amaretto. or just anything I've bought in a panic that I'll then pour out of the sink the next morning. You live a strange life. Um, but he's, Will makes a good point. It's such a shame that the Moon Underwater, obviously the brilliant name that Orwell chose for his uh, ideal pub, is now does seem to be have been taken over by Mr. J.D. Weatherspoon, which is a bit of a shame. But we don't concern ourselves with the machinations of big beer in the other realm, because we are the correct realm. Yes, that's quite Can you right. hear the birdsong? 
I can. That's yeah. delightful. Because we're in the correct realm where birds sing. Yes. We've had another mist. Speaking of bird song, this one's from Gareth. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, good evening, keepers of the correct realm. While listening to the latest episode with Scroobs, Scroobius Pip, I felt I must tell you my factoid about the Asahi Group's building, a fact I tell everyone when the name comes up. Their building looks like a pint of beer. That's it. That's the email. <laughs> Love the pod. It's very gentle on the ear, and you've had some great guests. Also, can I just say, Robin's shipping forecast sting a few weeks ago was superb. All the best, Gareth Bont. Thanks, Gareth. Oh, and thanks, he's absolutely GB. right. This, the, the, Team GB. Team GB, yeah. He's absolutely right. The Asahi building looks like a foaming pint of beer. It's in Tokyo. Let me hang on. Let me just look it up in my mind. Look it up in your mind. It looks like a golden pint. Oh, oh, it looks like something else as well. What does it look like? It looks like a golden dirt. What on earth do you mean? Not the yellow thing on the right. Oh, I'm looking at the yellow thing on the right, which <laughs> looks like a little golden plop. <laughs> what the hell is that? I don't know. The Asahi building, it looks, i tell you what it looks like, a sort of Minecraft pint. It really does, actually, yeah. If, if, if Minecraft made pints... Then, you know. But if anyone else looks up the Asahi building in their mind, do let us know what the little golden plop is. Yeah, the golden <laughs> plop. Very nice. We've got time for one more mist. Just a bit, mate. I've got 50 years. <laughs> Wishful thinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Andy. All right, Andy. <laughs> London hot tips. Dear both. I listened with interest to your handful of London pub recommendations in the Scroobius Pip episode, and I'm hoping you might suggest some pubs in the King's Cross, you already mentioned the Queen's Head, which I excitedly noted down, and Islington areas, or perhaps a must-not-miss London area for truly top-class pub action. The reason for these areas specifically is because we are travelling from home in Hexham, great pub town, to London for the Ellis and John live podcast event on 28th of May, and staying in King's Cross. I appreciate I am crossing the streams and also crossing the realms by asking for recommendations here rather than on your five live show, but my reasons are twofold. Firstly, I expect that you are in a publicly state of mind when checking these emails. I say that's correct, yes, which may stir up some top-class pub recs. Secondly, here, you're not constrained by the Billy Balance Corporation. Oh, the BBC. Right, got it. Sorry, got it. Um, and therefore are not duty-bound to say that every London pub is both the best of pubs and the worst of pubs. <laughs> I like that. Is that what it's like on the BBC? You have to say everything is good and bad. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Thank you for the Moon Under podcast. And there are no words to express all the joy you have brought to me over many years. Aww. Retro Wanner, Live Vibe Taster... Bad golf subber, etc. I love you. <laughs> oh, that's very, very sweet. <laughs> very nice message for you there. Sorry, John. what was the name of that correspondent? Andy. Andy. Thank you, Andy. Well, we're often quite concerned that a lot of our pub chat is London based, uh, but that is, I mean, I'm not in London, but Robin is, and that's where I go for most of our, my pubbery. However, people do visit London and the worst, the last thing I'd want for anyone to do is to be in London in one of the pubs that just sort of is pretending to be a nice pub. Yeah. Also, the thing I would say, Andy, is 
because of the underground, the tube system here. I think he's heard of the underground, John. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't have to necessarily go to the pubs near where you're staying unless it's for a last minute pint. Yeah. I would say near to King's Cross, the Euston Tap is a great experience because it's quite an unusual building. And my tip with the Euston Tap is to go upstairs because there's always, it's one of those places that's always Ramo Cablamo downstairs and outside. But you go upstairs and there's like maybe two or three free tables. And you're like, why don't people just come upstairs? Yeah, they sell Agostina there as well. That's great. But yeah, obviously the Queen's Head. But I mean, if you're looking for different areas to go, we've done a behind the cellar door bonus part about a pub crawl through Holborn, haven't we? Which is fantastic. If you're looking to go to some of the really historic pubs in London. Yeah. And also, you're not far. Islington isn't far from sort of de Beauvoir town with some nice pubs along the river. And we've actually done that walk into Islington, Rob. Oh, yeah. Good, the Plaquemean Lock. Oh, I love that place. So the the Plaquemean Lock is right by the water. It's called the City Road Basin. There's also the pub we went to, the Charles Lamb. Yes. uh, Which is really good. Uh, The Earl of Essex is a belter. Yeah. Duke of Cambridge's I think that was a bit fooder. I think that was a bit fooder. But but yeah, that walk from like the Charles Lamb, the Plaquemine Lock, and the Earl of Essex is really nice. But I would also say you can you could do our fabled pub crawl, the Revealers of Lambeth, which yeah. goes down into Kennington. That is a bit of a perhaps a bit of a trek from where you're staying and where you're going to. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, you're obviously gonna be sticking in in Islington. There's a really nice in Angel the the pubs are fine. Like, they're not amazing, but there's these nice little lanes uh, just past uh, Angel Station with the old old Queen's Head, the King's, the... Uh, what's it called? The, the King's Mind. The King's Mind or something like that, anyway. But they have these little lanes with sort of uh, old-style old shops on. Okay. And they're quite fun. There's a couple of pubs on, on, that, on that road. Right. It's quite vague that bit, but <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm just looking it up. I'm sort of live looking it up in my sure, mind. Sure. So I hope I hope that's of some help to ye. And one one general point I would say: when you visit London, the temptation is obviously a lot of what you want to see is very central. I would say if you're looking for central pubs, go to Soho because there's quite a lot of them, and they're all slightly different. Especially the, my favourite pub in Soho is the Nelly Dean. However, don't be afraid to just sort of get a few tube stops out of the centre because the centre is actually not particularly well equipped for, for genuine belting pubs, apart from the Harp, which is one of the best pubs in the world. Yes, love the Harp. But yeah, I hope that helps you, uh, Andy, um, and have a great time in May. Where are you doing that gig? I think it's at Islington Town Hall. Oh, right, cool. And, interestingly enough... Uh, it's part of a podcast festival that me and Ellis are doing. Uh-huh. And the person on directly after us may well be about to walk through this door. Robin, you know the um, the the glass display cases we have here, which are usually sort of full of old. I think it's sort of the history of the tankard uh, spelled out in sort of fifty or sixty different tankards. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, since tankards began, yeah. Since tankards began. Well, I'm just looking up at them now, and they've they've changed. I don't remember removing the tankards, but there's now we've got a wonderful display that you often see in pubs of very old golf clubs. Curious, okay. Yes, Robin, there's a there's a mashy there, a hickory mashy and a niblick. I've always thought you've had a, a very nice nice niblick, to be honest, John. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for saying that. But they've also got they've also got some of those old wound balls, and I just can't imagine why why on earth the pub would suddenly reveal this history of golf clubs and golf balls. It's quite extraordinary. And there's some old black and white photos there of swordsmen past and present. There's a DVD of Bagger Vance, which I've never seen before. Yeah, there is a DVD of Bagger Vance and a, and a VHS of Tin Cup, but. I wonder if our guest, who I think is at the door, can maybe shed some light on why the moon underwater has chosen to arrange itself so, because in walks to the moon underwater a man who is head and shoulders and torso and legs above all other golf influencers and golf YouTubers. It's Mr Rick Shields. Hello, Rick. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. This is very nice. Welcome to the moon underwater. Take a seat. Perfect. Very nice. Nice to be in the warmth. It is nice to be in the warmth. And do you like the display of the old golf clubs? I've just spotted them up there. Yeah, very nice. Uh, you might have a few little uh, antiques on your hand there. Worth uh, taking them, getting them valuated. You've you've played with a, an old a set of old clubs, haven't you? I've played golf a, f- a couple of times with very old golf clubs. And let me tell you, John... Right now, we are blessed with the technology we have because <laughs> old golf clubs would make everybody right now playing the game probably quit golf straight away because they are tremendously hard to hit. So what does, that, what does that tell us about the people who were playing golf back then? They were more resilient. Yeah. They wanted to, they wanted to get out of the house more, <laughs> even more than, more than now. Um, and possibly they were absolutely crazy and very determined to get a little white sphere whether it was called a golf ball back then into a gopher hole which was 400 yards away with water sand hills all things that would mess with your golf ball i think that i think that explains why golf was created in the way it has been created to be honest yeah and uh since then golf courses have been built but they were originally just plots of land that's right that's right just stick a flag in there and hit it towards it and see how you get on so for anyone who is not uh, obsessed with golf like me uh, robin for instance robin is not a golfer uh, rick but rick shields is well five or six years ago you were one of many sort of golf influencers, golf YouTube people. You did instructions on uh, YouTube. You did reviews. I mean, personally, I would say you were the best, but you were sort of part of a group of people providing golf content on YouTube. But since then, your channel, I checked this out earlier, you've got 2 million subscribers, which is two and a half times more than the PGA Tours YouTube channel. That's nice, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But how... How d- how did you do that? I mean, what what is you probably get asked this a lot, but what is the secret to to your success, uh, uh, sort of versus other people? Because there are lots of pros playing golf. Uh, there are lots of pro pros filming stuff and doing reviews of clubs and challenges. But what do you think you latched onto that others didn't? Maybe um, the one thing I'd say is 
I've got a quite an inquisitive mind and there's a lot of ideas that I come up with or create or think about me and my team. And obviously you've met Guy a few times that we think about where we go, I want to know the answer to that question. And I think if I want to know the answer to that question, surely millions of people want to know the answer to that question, such as what is it when I play an bad golfer with one golf club when said bad golfer has all 14 golf clubs in his bag (laughs) obviously one that we famously recorded because not only did I want to know the answer to that and I knew it'd make for a fun video it, it was interesting like it was an interesting idea and a concept and since that I've done many more of those types of videos and they're the ones that really do pull in the kind of big views as such but generally just i've been really consistent over a long period of time making content and i've still got as much if not more enthusiasm now about making golf videos than i did when i very first started and passionate about it love the game of golf love making videos love talking so it kind of all blends into one really i mean i'm an i'm a non-golfer and i watched the video you're talking about today and really enjoyed it i mean Firstly, because having known John for, you know, over 20 years, I've never seen him as happy as he was in that video. (laughs) So I'm obviously missing out on this side of John where he's actually enjoying himself when he's doing something. And it was just so weird to see someone as well. I mean, it would be a bit like, John, if you were with me when I was trying to write music and I was talking about parametric eqing and side chain compression or something because i had absolutely no idea what you're talking about most of the time when you're talking about shankers and duffers <laughs> so i i like the way it's it has its own terminology like that and i think as well having read and reading the comments as well loads of people saying you know for a bad golfer john is very very good at golf but i think the great thing about the video and what you do, Rick, and what you do with John with bad golf is that people like identify with it because you know you know most people aren't professionals, are they? So it's about people who just love the game. Well, I would say, and I'd be interested to know what Rick thinks about this, but I think for a long time, so much of what was available for people who wanted to consume golf t- content was the best players in the world playing at their best, whereas actually the experience of most golfers is nothing like that. And it's actually quite dangerous to compare yourself to that because, you know, my local club, I would say the average handicap is probably around 18, 19, 20. So if all you are allowed to watch online is people sinking insane putts and driving the ball 350 yards, it's for too long the content that was relatable to the average golfer. And it is one of the most popular sports on earth just wasn't there would you agree with that rick yeah absolutely it's probably one of the things that if you talked about when when there was a maybe a light bulb moment i came into youtube golf as a as a golf professional and i very much came in with that hat being firmly on my head that i have to act and be shown and seen as a golf professional i think once i came to terms and once i started to let my guard down a bit like as you mentioned golf's bloody hard like really, really hard. And it doesn't go to plan for anybody, regardless of your level, it doesn't always go to plan. And I think once I started letting my own guard down about that and not being so protective about looking after this professional image, and I started to show a bit more more of a human side and show some more bad shots and, you know, 
be re- be more relatable because that's what golf is like. I think the audience may be connected with that a little bit and probably why John has had such great success with his channel because it's unbelievably, like you mentioned, relatable and and people want to see that and it's probably no coincidence that I am X amount times bigger than the PJ Tour because a lot of the PJ Tour content is perfect golf where that's not that's not golf as we as we know it. Rick, I could talk to you about golf for hours. <laughs> However, we are here to create your perfect pub. So my question is, first off, is your pub going to be what a lot of golfers will know as the 19th hole? Is it is it a bar in a golf club or is it a pub? I view my kind of social outside of golf life very different to golf. So I actually weirdly think you might learn a lot about me today that you might not have known about. Excited. I'm excited about that. Because I, I was thinking this, I was obviously I was, as I was thinking through the questions, I was thinking, do I make it golf themed? But I thought, you know what? No, my social life where I let my hair down and go out with my pals and whatever is so different to Rick Shields that you see on video. Like... I'm, a, I'm an animal, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've had w- I think I've had one pint with you uh, after we filmed a video in a in a pub near Marriott Worsley Park, which I can't help but almost say in your accent because I've heard you say, "Right, when well, we're in Marriott Worsley Park," and do you, do you mind if I open a bottle? By the way, oh, he's opening a bottle. Of, is that hundred? What's it called? Ninety nine. We'll come on. Oh, okay. We'll come on to it. We'll come on to it. Okay. So your pub is nowhere near a golf course. Sorry, sorry. You said we were going. You, you didn't say. You said we were going for a beer. I, I stopped you then. Where were we going? I can't remember. This. Well, we went. We went and we had a, a beer and a pizza with Guy. Uh, it was after we did that charity golf game where the where someone cheated. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We did. We did. We did. We did. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. We did actually have a few beers there. Yeah. I think I was driving though, actually. I don't think I had that yeah. many beers. No, oh no. So your your dream pub is not going to be sort of attached to a golf course? Not at all. The name's got a tiny little nod to the tradition of golf, but that is it. So tell me about the sort of pubs you like going to uh, and, and what the pubs uh, near where you live are like. I must admit, in the close proximity to where I live, not particularly great. So I, li- I live in a small town just outside Bolton. And historically, the, the, the main pub is a Weatherspoons. Read, read into that what you think. <laughs> There's quite a lot of dotted kind of pubs around, like the, the Vic, the Rose and Crown, the Wagon and Horses, the um, Halfener, which is like a, a term that we get called where people where I live. Um, more re- So that, that was kind of growing up. They were the kind of pubs I, I used to hang around with growing up. But more recently, though... I feel like it's slightly going in the right direction. So there's a pub now called the Beer School, which I've been in a few times. Not yeah, it's nice. It's nice enough. Some nice ales in there. There's another one called the Tap Brewery. There's another one called the Bank. They're much more kind of modern type bars slash pub slash you know where where you can. It's not as stuffy as it used to be. So um, they're the kind of bars in my local area that if I if I was to go to. I'd probably go to beer school because I do like the beer in there. They don't serve food, but they have like across the road, they have a, a multiple array of takeaways and you can literally order your takeaway. It's, let's say you want pizza and actually bring it in the pub, which is pretty cool. That's nice. I like pubs that have a sort of relationship with a local takeaway if they don't do food themselves. I, I, I went into one once and there was like a fish and chip shop opposite 
and pretty much everyone in there i can't remember where this was but everyone was eating their fish and chips and having a pint it's really nice because it's quite rare that you can get fish and chip shop fish and chips which are always better than pub fish and chips and have it with a proper pint inside so i i do i do like that just to get people in the vibe of the un, of the pub that we're in i'm just gonna i don't know if this is gonna sound good i don't know if you can hear it Oh, that's a lovely sound. Very nice. Cheers to you, Rick. <laughs> so, more broadly, I, 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 if I'm going to go out on a night out, I'd head head into Manchester. So, either with friends or just my wife. And I'm I'm a big fan of bars slash pubs that are kind of cool that are not too kind of old fashioned. Or I don't like I don't like particularly owning pubs that you can't see into before you go in. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Unless unless. I've been recommended to go to it or if I'm meeting a friend in there, but I'd never walk past a pub that I, I can't look into and go, oh yeah, this looks nice. Let's head into here. Cause you just don't know what to expect. You don't know if it's busy. You don't know if it's dead. You don't know what the vibe's like at all. So typically I'd like to window shop if I'm going to go into bars and it's the ones that look nice from the outside. They've got a bit of atmosphere in there. They're the kind of pubs that I'd probably end up going into. Probably, I'd probably even borderline call them more bars than, than pubs, but it's kind of, that's more what you call them in cities really isn't it bars yeah that's okay we don't mind a bar we love a high ceilinged bar oh yes hello fans of pub and pint i'm jess phillips an mp and now for the first time a podcast host i know that the moon underwater is used to sighing for its letters so i think you'll love my new podcast that's all about writing letters it's called yours sincerely And in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. So with that, I'll sign off with yours sincerely, Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy an episode of my podcast soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So in this pub or bar of yours, it's entirely your choice. What are your first two options? What are your draft options? What do you want on draft? So I think I've heard this being mentioned a few times on your podcast before, but Guinness. Nice. Amen. I'm drinking it right now. I know. I must admit, before I opened this bottle of wine, I did have a quick look to see if I had any Guinnesses, but I didn't have any. Because <laughs> I do like a Guinness in a can. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's very good. I do like it. I do. I think out of all the cans of drafts, I would say Guinness is the best. 
And and also, because so many pubs, I've said this before, but because they only serve Guinness extra cold, if you pour Guinness extra cold badly, also I don't like it because it's too cold, it's actually better out of a can. I would rather have a can than a Guinness extra cold. I've said it. So I'm, I'm, I'm quarter Irish, so I think that's kind of maybe where it comes from. Um, and for me, I always think about Guinness as, as it's my safe drink, certainly if I'm on an all-dayer. Right. <laughs> nice. if, if I'm on if I'm on if I'm on a stag do or if I'm on a big one, if I go to the races or if I even go to a golf event or whatever, if I can see Guinness, I'm like happy days because I can drink this all day. I'm not gonna get bloated. I I kind of disagree with this idea that Guinness feels like a meal. I, I don't particularly kind of subscribe to that philosophy. It can be really refreshing. I, I think you've got to get into the rhythm of it. An all day or on Guinness. I'd give it a bloody good go. The, ne- the next day, there's a few things that come out that look like Guinness, but we'll go into that. But like, but but yeah, for me, if I see Guinness on tap, I'm like happy days. I'm, I'm on this all day. Probably not so much a night drink. Let's say if I was going out on a big night out, it's not where I'm going Guinness. But meals, uh, any any other time, mm. bar right. I, I'm by the time I say right, I'm on it. Guinness is Guinness is there till that point. Wow. And then my second choice, yes. I would probably go for, and it's only because I love the glass so much and I do like the lager too, probably San Miguel. San Miguel, we were talking about San Miguel just the other day, Robin and I. I like a San Miguel. Which which glass are you talking about? The kind of one that's sort of like it's tulip. almost like the va- the vase, yeah, yeah. yeah, the vase kind of shape. For me, if it's in that, which a lot of the time I must admit, give credit to a lot of bars that stock San Miguel. I'm not sure if it's in the terms conditions. You often you often do get that glass as well. It's very rare that they put it in a Foster's glass or something. I don't often see San Miguel on tap near where I, I live. To be honest, which is, oh, which is really? a shame. Yeah. They're quite continental up here <laughs> in Manchester. Do you know what I think? I think you're right. I think in the past few years brands have been much more conscious of their beers or ciders being sold in branded glasses in pubs because often I will see someone in a pub actually looking around for the right glass and I, and I bet it is part of the sort of thing that you know San Miguel if you say you get San Miguel on tap they will send you like 50 glasses to make sure because they do it is something there is something quite there's a weird dissonance to being served like a pint of Guinness in a Strongbow glass. Oh, I hate or it. Or a pint of San Miguel in a Foster's glass. It is odd. I think, though, that, I mean, like, I love a Stella chalice. God, I love a Stella chalice. But I think that was a, like, deliberate marketing ploy to try and take the kind of real macho bullshit away from it, really. Because if you're holding a big chalice, it's kind of like, it's 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 harder to be a a big bloody bloke about it but you know i think that they were trying to focus more on the continental element as opposed to because it 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 had gained a british reputation that wasn't particularly marketable but the chalices are brilliant because of the um what's the word for you know when it's slightly crenellated inside and you get really nice bubbles you do get lovely (laughs) lovely bubbles it's the glasses rougher at the bottom isn't it really good I, I probably think there's a lot of science that goes on to this glass, and they must they must think right. Our beer is best served in said glass, because also you might be a mystery a mystery shopper, a mystery diner who works for San Miguel, and you 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 your job is to go round all different pubs, order a San Miguel, and see who actually serves it in a clean, which drives me nuts when glasses aren't clean. Oh yeah, clean San Miguel glass, and if you don't. 
yeah. we're taking it off you. <laughs> okay, so so far in Rick Shields' Dream Pub, we have Guinness and San Miguel. Robin, two very solid choices there. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm a big, as I said, big San Miguel, big Spanish lager fan. Um, Estrella is a is a big one, and Portuguese as well. Sagres, you don't see that around very much. Sagres is lovely. Don't mind a Sagres. Yeah, but just, I mean, you know. I like the Moretti these days as well. That's a nice beer. Uh, Moretti, yeah, I like, I'm, I'm into Moretti now. Never used to be. I don't, but uh, yeah, I never regret a Moretti. What a beautiful pub. Fire crackling away. Music on, not too loud. Nice pint. Hello there, what are you drinking then? Is that ale? Or is that, is that lager? Yeah. What are you drinking lager for? This is ale, this is. This is ale. Yeah. This is water, hops and barley and yeast. That is chemicals. Uh, I suppose you didn't remember this when this was the Red Lion then. I do. Yeah, I, it used to be the Red Lion and then before that it was the Black Swan. Yeah. And yeah, but Judith wouldn't have put up with any of this. The really? lady there, she wouldn't have put up with any Why of this. Why didn't I go to the moon yeah, underwater? I'll say it again, that leave means leave. That's all I'm saying. That leave means leave. So... Uh, Rick, you've got two more choices before the quiz. Uh, what bottles and or cans are you picking for your pub? So, bottles. Growing up, me and my wife, certainly when I met my wife like 12 years ago. Yeah, I think that's about the right time. Um, obviously, it was, a t- it was the era when rosé wine was huge. Like white Grenache and all. Zinfandel. <laughs> the Echo and, and, Falls generation. Yeah, 100%. And, and to be honest, I, I, I absolutely loved it, as most people did. But I soon probably started to realise it, it was too sweet for me. And quite early, I would say, and, and I kind of got ribbed from it by my friends quite a lot in my kind of mid-20s, I moved quite quickly onto red wine. And, and that trend has continued to, to today. So I've got the... the Bottle I'm going to go for, and I'm not going to go for anything super expensive. I might I might have a super expensive bottle of wine, but the one that I'm a huge fan of at the moment, and you saw it a little bit before, is this one. This 19 Crimes. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. It's it's not super expensive. It's, what, seven quid a bottle or something? That I love the story behind it, that these kind of 19 criminals got sent over to Australia um for obviously doing crimes in the 1788s and they obviously got given this land and they ended up smashing berries and whatever together and came up with red wine i'm not sure how true that story <laughs> is but I, I, like yeah. it. I feel like i feel like it kind of appeals to the bad boy in me i, I just love it and, and i've never yet genuinely had a bad bottle of it and i buy it in bulk so my brother-in-law works at tesco plug plug and he'll often get like discounts this is probably not good for the pub industry, but he often gives me get, get, gets like staff discounts, and then he gets added uh, discounts sometimes as well. So he texts me, "Do you want a wine run?" I go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and I said, I'm like, "19 crimes get me like 36 bottles, get me like 20 odd bottles of prosecco for my wife, and jobs are good." And it lasts us it lasts us two weeks or so. Well, uh, speaking of uh, damage to the pub industry via supermarkets, I went to Tesco today and I bought 10 cans of Guinness and 10 cans of inches cider and with the club card discounts on those boxes and with the vouchers i'd got on my club card app it cost me eight quid oh my god but john you are quite unusual you've got like fifty thousand million nectar points haven't you well, I did when I used to shop in Sainsbury's. My my nectar points balance was uh, a, a huge source of pride uh, to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it is problematic. But yeah, what are you going to do? 
you know, I'm not going to refuse tw- 20 cans for eight quid, but surely that's got to change. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, Rick, about when you switched to red wine, was there sort of like a slightly judgmental attitude to what you drank when you were sort of growing up a teenager in your 20s? Were, were you, was there sort of pressure not to drink certain things? First off, it would have been quite impressive to be a teenager in my 20s. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, like a, a, time, a time traveler yeah. was it was the pressure yeah just just probably from pals you know like you probably said there before robin it's like you go to the pub and you're with eight mates or whatever eight pints of stella fellas and i'm kind of the one that's going oh, i don't really want a stella thanks you know it's not quite for me so um I certainly, I, I probably end up buying more rounds to get the drink that I wanted. So I, I would end up volunteering to get the drinks first doors and, and probably more often throughout the evenings with, with my pals, just so that I didn't get ribbed and I could actually order what I wanted. Um, or even if I did order the best the, around the beers, so I could pick the best pint out of that round of beers as well. Because you obviously get a couple of dodgy ones in there. So... I, I end up probably spending more money just so I can get the choice that I wanted. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a bit of a stigma. But now, I, I, I went to a stag do just a couple of years ago. Honestly, it looked like we're on a hemp party. And that's not me kind of being sexist. Everyone on the table was drinking red wine, rosé wine. Not what you'd expect to see on a stag do. But we're all loving it. We were chatting about wine. What's your favourite? Do you like a Malbec? How do you like it served? What sort of temperature? Where do you get your bottle? I'm thinking, what the hell are we on? And this was like a young stag, stag do. It wasn't as if we're, I was on the stag do with a load of 50-year-olds. It was like a youngish stag do. So um, I definitely think that kind of uh, mindset has changed and the red wine's become more acceptable. So the, the thing that got me into golf properly... I'd I'd sort of, you know, messed around with golf in my 20s and, you know, played pitch and putts and par three courses. And But I was asked, Alex Horn um, from Taskmaster, who is also uh, my co-presenter on Bad Golf, he, he texted me because I'd moved near to where he lived. And he said, look, I, I go on a trip to Spain every year to play golf and there's a gap. Do you want to play? And like my clubs were back at my mum's house in Bristol and I thought I haven't played for you know, four or five years, I'm be rubbish. But I thought, do you know what? Just say yes to this, John, because it's going to be fun. And I was really scared because I wasn't very good at golf and I didn't know anyone apart from Alex. So anyway, I turn up in Amandwera in in Portugal or Spain? Portugal. Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. And I, I literally, I've come out of the room and I come to the bar and there's 23 guys sat around a table, only one of whom I know, and I'm assuming in my head they're all these like amazing golfers. And one of them stands up and goes, Okay guys, twenty-four lagers. And I and I just panicked and I thought, I'm gonna hate this because I don't like lager and I'm too scared to say I don't like lager. And um I I said I said, actually, do they have um do they have anything else? I I'm I'm kind of like cringing for you. <laughs> yeah. And he went he sort of looked and he went, um, I think they've got. Uh, I think they've got Lon- cans of London Pride and Guinness. And I said, "Oh, great! Can I get a Guinness?" And then suddenly, these other hands went up, <laughs> and people were going, "Oh, I, can I get a Guinness? Oh, can I get a London Pride? Can I get a cider?" And uh, 
I'd made his round so complicated, yeah. <laughs> but I was so glad that I did put my hand up and say, um, oh, could I have a Guinness? And saying yes to that golf trip absolutely changed my life. It's I, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Every single one of those guys is now a really dear friend. And we've got a WhatsApp group and it's only one trip a year. It's one weekend, but we are talking about it all year. And I'm 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 just so glad that I I made Jeremy's round system that probably been going for years of him just saying twenty twenty four Stellas twenty four Estrellas whatever I uh, I basically ruined his system but um, thank you to all of the all of the Murray Cup golfers uh, for accepting a uh, someone who's very fussy shout out <laughs> so what's your second bottle or can well I'm going to throw in very quickly that. I never used to when I used to test red or drink red wine. I couldn't be one of those people that could taste the difference. Like red wine for me tastes like red wine. Like it didn't matter what. Honestly, I genuinely for a long, long period of time, that's massively changed in the last three years, or maybe even maybe even two years. Maybe I've drunk more of it, but I've really now can tell wines that I don't like. I used to love this barefoot Malbec. I used to order it all the time, the green label. Again, pretty cheap, but I used to drink it like like it was nothing. Now I can't touch the stuff. I, well, I can touch the stuff. I can drink. I can drink any old crap. But but for me, straight away, it's a very different taste. My, my, whether my palate's changed or whether I'm being able to tell better wines. And tell a very quick story. So I went to. Uh, I got invited to Old Trafford a couple of year, a couple of months ago. Now it was a Champions League game event against uh, Valencia, and uh, I was there. Hospitality in a box, very nice, very posh, and we uh, drinks were all included. So I was having a few drinks, enjoying myself. And after the match, uh, one of the guys there said to me it was, i was actually invited by marriott worsley park oh nice <laughs> and uh one of the guys after said um do you want some red wine i said oh yeah i'd love some and he said um he got the wine menu and went ah this is my this is my favorite i bet i bet they're not giving this out for free and i said oh what is it and he went just wait right so he went off and the waiter came back and said oh yeah i'm really sorry that, that one's not complimentary anyway kind of whispered in his ear this guy from the marriott next minute he is he, he did bring this bottle of wine because i don't know what happened and he poured it and i, I was quite excited really because it was like the mystery of it all and, and i sipped it and i thought it's cat this is not going to taste any different to anything else i've drunk and i sipped it and i was like oh wow and and I didn't know if it was placebo effect. So after two or three more glasses, I was like, oh, wow, this is the greatest wine I've ever drank. But we ran out. So then they brought back another bottle of red wine after, which wasn't the same bottle at all. And I drank it. I was like, oh, God, what is this? And suddenly at that moment, I was like, oh, shit, I'm a, I'm a wine snob. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you transcended. What, what, what has happened there? So I asked, I asked, what's that, what was that bottle of wine? And he said, well, it's, it's Chateau Neuf de Pap. Ooh. And I'd heard about this, but kind of didn't know if it was good. Like almost because of the name Chateau Neuf de Pape, it almost sounds like it, like it's like Lamborghini. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it, it had that kind of sound to it. So uh, I had it, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" So m- recently, I went out on staff do in Manchester just before Christmas, our Christmas staff do, and I, yeah, I was treating the staff and we having some drinks and looked at the wine menu. I was like, and and Tim, one of my editors, who you've met, John. Uh, was sat opposite me and he said, uh, I said, do you want to order some wine? He said, oh yeah. I said, anything you fancy? He went, honestly, I'll drink anything. So I went on this menu and I'm, I'm going down, I'm going down and I see Chateau Neuf de Pap. And it was, a, it was a bit silly expensive and it arrived and I drank it and I was like, 
And even he said, that's the nicest wine I've ever drank in my yeah. life. And again, I still don't know if it's placebo effect, because I honestly think, I'd love to do a test one time where someone puts a five-pound bottle of Malbec barefoot in front of me and a and a 20-pound, well, even more, 50-pound bottle of uh, glass of Chateau Neuf de Pape and whether I'd be able to tell the, tell the difference. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, Rick, we've had someone on on uh, In the Moon Underwater who blindfolded couldn't actually tell the difference between red and white wine. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> and you'd be amazed how how actually difficult it is. The thing with Chateau Neuf de Pape, I heard, overheard a conversation in uh, Majestic Wine, is that because it's such a sort of byword for top quality wine, you have to be quite careful about the the wines that call themselves that, because it's a bit like it's a bit like champagne, I guess, or. Oh, I can't think of another example, but if you put that on the label, people assume it's amazing. So you shouldn't. I think the guy was saying you should never buy cheap Chateau Neuf de Pape. I think it's one of those things. It was. It was because um, Del Boy used to say it in Only Fools and Horses to 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 just. I think just as a kind of saying, like things have gone Chateau Neuf de Pape or something. And I think it's kind of people. It's still got that thing where people kind of maybe associate it with. Slight like 80s yuppie assume it's really good kind of thing i don't know but yeah i i i have done exactly what you said i've been in, like that same weekend after i went into tesco and i'm like i was looking at the wines i'm like there's a chateau neuf de pap there for like nine quid yeah 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 and i'm like what <laughs> but then i went down the aisle and then there's one for like 90 quid i'm like oh i'm a bit confused now yeah so 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 anyway i don't want that in my bar I just thought I'd put that out there. The actual drink I want in my bar is another beer. It's And I, I loved bottled beer. And I love, um, it's a Mexican beer. It's called Medella. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I like Medella. Or, is it Medello or Medella? It's Medello, yeah. Slice of lime. It, it's kind of a more squatted bottle. So so it's like, it's still a, a normal size squat, but it's like it's been squashed from top to bottom. Oh, that is best stunning. I mean, they that, they just remind me of going to eat a burrito somewhere. It's a classic burrito drink. <laughs> yeah, I fell I fell in love with that drink when I was in Turkey because it's very popular in Turkey, and um, I absolutely loved it. And and when I got back, I thought I'd never see it again. And luckily, they do sell it over here. But with a, with it has to be with a slice of lime. To be honest, it has to be on a warm day. I'd probably put a temperature um, restriction on yeah. it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Anything below 20 degrees, we're not allowed to drink it. It's a drink only for 20 degrees and above. But apps, honestly, and I don't mean temperature of the beer, I mean temperature of the weather outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's stunning. So that's that's the kind of bottle. Nice nice 19 crimes for the red wine mm. and then a Medella. So you've gone 19 crimes and not the dream Chateau Neuf de Pap. Because I, I want my bar, I don't want my bar to people to come in and go, Bloody hell, that YouTuber, he charges the bloody fortune for drugs. <laughs> very good point. Like, I, I actually want everything to be very, very reasonable. I actually drove past, a, a, there's a there's a rundown pub near me. I'm sure it's about to be demolished. Um, and it's actually got on the side of it, like, Carling, and it's advertising, like, Carling, £1.85 a pint. Bloody hell. Now, this, this pub's been shut probably 10 years minimum, um, and it was a pretty cheap and dark and dingy pub anyway. But I think... God, imagine those days. Like it's, it's at least, even in Manchester now, it's at least four pound fifty-five pound a pint now. Easy. I don't know. What, I mean, even more astronomical down south. But um, I, yeah, I want my I want my bar for people to come in and go. 
you know what? That was a mega night, and I, and I don't feel like I got stung. It it was it was okay. Oh, lovely stuff. So so far in Rick Shields' dream pub, where you can have a mega night and not get stung, there's Guinness, San Miguel on draft, 19 Crimes Red Wine, and Modelo. But only if it's 20 degrees or more outside. But now we head over to Robin Allender for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Three questions... Answers in part two, no Googling, because you're only Googling yourself. Uh, No prizes, apart from the prize of dignity. And this week, the questions are about some of our favourite foods and the years in which they were launched. So I I will name a type of food, e.g. Marmite, and you have to tell me when it first came on the market and the closest wins. And John tells me this is like match play golf, and I don't know what that means. (laughs) What's that? Just one of the closest the hole? It's... it's golf's um equivalent to a boxing match so you can kind of you can kind of go one up and then he can retaliate and he goes back to one up and so it's kind of where two players go head to head and they battle it out to the death right so that's what this quiz is going to be like i've got to say as well actually i mean i was confused by the 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 video where you're playing john where you've only got one club but why why you weren't putting the ball in the hole at the end surely that's the the goal so again, in match play, there's a kind of a, an agreement that it's the psych- it's a, it's a bit of a mind game. So if I've got if I've got quite a short port, he John can say, okay, that's good. You can pick that up, meaning that I had a shot onto my score, but I don't have to hold the putt. But what happens then later on in the round when it becomes very important for that putt, John will stay silent, and and that and that then plays in my mind because i'm going hold on he gave me that put only a few holes ago now this hole this puts the same same distance but now he's making me get this in like it's a bit of kind of sportsmanship That's, gamesmanship. yeah it's kind of like playing poker or something but i mean it's a is it is it like playing football and you miss miss the goal and the goalie says well i, I can give you that is it is that similar or Mm, not quite no. <laughs> there's a, there's a moment in the most recent bad golf video at badgemore park where uh, I was in danger of really trouncing Alex and I had a, a foot and a half putt to win the match. And he said, well, because it's for the match, I'm going to have to make you putt that. And I missed it. Mm. And I was so angry. Really? <laughs> yeah. But surely you've always... Uh, get, why, don't, why, don't, why not always try and get it in the hole? Surely that's the best bit. Well, I think partly it's for speed of play and partly it's just for... Sort of, I don't know why. Yeah. It's hard to explain it, it, why. It, it, it is gamesmanship. It's like this idea that, that when Alex didn't give you that putt on the last hole, you're suddenly thinking, I've not I've not had this putt all day. I can't remember the ball going in the hole. And, and suddenly when it matters, then you're suddenly doubting yourself and you're questioning your ability. And, and as John saw, he absolutely crumbled and missed the putt and lost, you know, didn't, didn't take victory. So... Maybe maybe he'll do that now in this quiz. Yeah. Who knows? So yeah, we'll just, we'll have to see. Question one: In what year were Monster Munch launched? So that's your first question. <laughs> Monster Munch. In what year were Monster Munch launched? Question two: 
Am I writing these down, by the yeah, way? Yeah, write them down. Yeah, write them down. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> so question one was Monster Munch. Question two, in what year was Coleman's Mustard established? Too much mustard gets up your nose. Question three, when was Leon Perrin's Worcestershire sauce launched? So Monster Munch, Coleman's Mustard, Leon Perrin's. Those are your three questions. I want years that they came on the market. Thank you very much, Robin. And we will leave you on those tasty tenterhooks until the start of part two. Thank you so much for Rick uh, for completing the first half of his Dream Pub. And if you want to check Rick out, go to YouTube and just and just search for golf <laughs> because he will be the first result. Um, but Rick, you also have a podcast. What's the What's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's very aptly called the Rick Shields Golf Show Podcast. The Rick Shields Golf Show Podcast. I've been on it a couple of times and it's a really great in-depth but sort of inclusive chat about golf. Uh, they cover so many different topics, uh, Rick and his producer guy. So there's the podcast and the YouTube video. Smash that like button, hit subscribe <laughs> and uh, let's see if we can get Rick to 3 million subscribers, which will happen one day. <laughs> Also, remember, you can get in touch with me here uh, and Robin at john at moonunderpod.com. So we'll see you back in part two. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 